to the second episode of Cathode Raycast here on StoryScreen Presents. I'm your host, Bernadette Gorman, and I'm joined today with... Diana DiMiro. I'm Mike Burge. All right, so we've been talking about films for a while, and we've recently started this television podcast, and Diana is here with us today for her first cast. Diana, do you want to give a little background hey. on who you are? <laughs> Um, I'm an associate editor for Story Screen, so I've been doing a little bit of editing on the articles and occasionally writing one and sometimes drawing stuff for posters. Yeah. Awesome. You just did a really good uh, Can't Buy Me Love. Oh, yeah. 30th, 30th anniversary. anniversary. Yeah. I hadn't watched that in a really long time. McDreamy. Yeah. Mc, McSteamy, McDreamy, Patrick Dempsey. <laughs> Check it out. So better did than I watch, remember. Did you ever watch... Grey's Anatomy? Oh, fuck yeah. I watch uh, Grey's Anatomy. I oh, sorry. I don't know. Am I allowed to swear? Like... I haven't been on a podcast. Yeah, you can yeah. swear. Okay, okay. For all yeah. friends um, here. Okay, yeah. I mean, the first few seasons of Grey's Anatomy were really enjoyable. I liked Shondaland. I would vacation there, but I couldn't stay. It was on What's for the... two many seasons. There's hmm. the dude, my homie, is in that first season. I think he's still in the show. Who uh, The guy who played d'artagnan in the musketeer oh sh- yeah like that super kung fu action you know dude that I, movie's fucking awesome i really I don't who you are don't know his real person in life name justin chambers Hit, Maybe. Ooh, did i just get it you. There? I don't I guess it? it i think yeah. so on the show i think he's known as alex he kind of plays the <laughs> dick he's kind of a dick you yeah. know but uh it's been a few years and that show is still on so it still is on. tip my hat to you shonda rhymes but Good for them. I liked in your article that you were also kind of like into gingers. And you were <laughs> totally rooting for that ginger kid. Man, that kid was so love. great. I mean, the supposed nerd is pretty much everyone we know now. Yes. So. <laughs> well, Nerds we watched like to be cool. We watched it like almost right after that too. Oh, Seth yeah. Green is in both yes. of them. And you're I just like, jeez. I, I did not remember Seth Green being in that movie. And in his, it? Or no, in Camp on the uh, Pretty much either. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was uh, surprised at both of those films. And he's still so Seth Green. You watch Austin Powers, it's uncanny. I think yeah. that's one of the things that's the most impressive about the new It movie coming out. Is that that show they released where it shows like the boys like in the tunnel, like joking around, mm. and the kid from Stranger Things who's playing right. the Seth Green yes. character he in plays this Mike one, in just Stranger fucking Things. straight up kills it as that character. Yeah, oh, it's gonna be good. I'm excited about that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so we will be talking about Stranger Things next, but this one we are going to be handling The Handmaid's Tale, mm. dun, 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 dun. based off of Margaret Atwood's 1985 novel. Novelette, almost. It's so short. And then it was released on Hulu just this year. And we're going to get into it. We have three different views on it. Uh, Diana read the book before she saw the show. Yes, book club. I read the book after I saw the show. And Mike has not read the book I know read. (laughs) He doesn't read. (laughs) I watch movies. (laughs) Well, that's fair. That's fair. So I really enjoyed this show. It made me very angry. Yeah. But I very much enjoyed it. Um, I walked away from pretty much every episode with like a little bit of like hate in my heart for the way that world works. And then that hate kind of grew because it's like, oh, that's kind of how our world works too. Just in a much more uh, watered down sort of way. Yeah, and I definitely think that, you know, reading the book first, that is sort of Margaret Atwood's goal is like mm-hmm. to incite a little fire in you that it's kind of crazy. It's in the 80s, but it's 
really pertinent to now, which is kind of fucked up that it's still relevant now, (laughs) that that could happen in this day and age. It's kind of crazy. Absolutely. I don't know if when I look back on the 90s, I almost see ourselves at a better place when it Mm. comes to how women were accepted in the workforce and how they were accepted in television and film and just the portrayal of how women are. When I look back, I see it as a much more neutral stance. And now when I look at it now, I'm not saying this is incorrect or wrong, but I do feel like everyone gets hurt over every little thing. Yeah, I could see that. And I feel like we're all like a little more susceptible to getting our feelings hurt. And I don't know. I think even now you're just like outraged by it. And like, it's a TV yeah, show. It's like a... But it's that, real life too. That mentality, you know, it's like a, it's like a vicious cycle. You know, it's like you, you want to care about things and you know that it's important to care about things and you should feel good about caring about things. But when you start to care about the wrong things in the wrong situation, even though they're usually good things to care about, you can start kind of going overboard and you actually become a part of the problem, even though you see yourself as part of the solution. And it's a really tricky slope because, you know, a lot of people think like they, like a lot of, it's, it's easy to believe in absolutes. It's easy to believe in definites that like I am good and what I do is good. And it's like, nobody's ever, nobody's ever 100% anything. And so, like, people make mistakes and sometimes you can kind of go overboard a little bit. And But at the end of the day, as long as you're open to, like, having discussion about how you might feel something is wronging or really very well representing something, as long as you're open to discussing that and, like, being able to do the back and forth, like a game of tennis. Yeah. A conversation is a game of tennis. The ball <laughs> has to keep going back and forth over the net. You can't just hold the ball and just be screaming, holding the ball up in the air. But I think that's interesting because a lot of the characters are like that on the show. Like, no one is totally bad. You know, you start having sympathy for these characters that you're like, that person's fucked up. And then you're like, oh, wait, we get a little snippet of their backstory. And you're like, I suddenly have some sympathy for them. Or I'm kind of understanding why they would have all of a sudden decided this weird society model is the way to go. I mean, I'm like super biased with a lot of these characters, especially the male characters in the show. In what way? Because I could watch uh, Joe Fiennes just like play around with a plastic bag and I'd be like, give that guy an Emmy. Like, Like he's so much fun. And he just, like, chews the fuck out of this character. He's really good at this. Where, like, you know, in the first episode where you don't really see a lot of him, if memory serves me correctly, he's kind of like a force. He's the commander and he's there. um, It's, he's just so good. And then the dude that plays, who's, um, who's the hot rod? Nick. (laughs) Nick, his driver? Yeah. That guy, (laughs) he is in, um... The social network. Just recently. Right. Yeah, yeah he's the friends one, with, uh, he's with the, the friend of like the Army Winkle Hammer, Vi. the Winklevi. Right. Yeah, right. where Army the Hammer Winkle plays dual roles with Josh Pence. Josh Pence does not get enough no. recognition for that. He played he the body stand in. But Josh Pence is great. Yeah, Josh is. Pence is in La La Land. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like, cute. so I have, I have such a, I have such a, uh, a bias when it comes to them because I totally want social network dude. Who is one of the best parts of Social Network, a movie that has a bunch of great parts, but he sells that very small corner. And I love Joe Fiennes because, you know, 
he's the weaker finds brother. Aww. And he knows Aww. it. He has to know it. Yeah, his time is like Ray Fiennes. Like like in the nineties, he was so very beautiful, and now I feel he's so older. bad for him. Yeah, and yeah. Shakespeare he's in no Love. Voldemort. I used to I used to make <laughs> no, fun of Shakespeare in Love a lot. <laughs> I used to make fun of Shakespeare in Love up and down. Oh man, but and I loved that I when recently, that came out. I recently rewatched it when we did Shakespeare Month. Mm-hmm. Um, High school Diana loved Shakespeare in Love, <laughs> and getting to watch that with a a group of older people yes yes who appreciate what shakespeare in love is doing you kind of realize oh that's what this movie was trying to do and you kind of like it a little bit more and it actually gives you a really good appreciation for romeo and juliet one of the most played out stories ever you actually get a by the end you get like wow that really is imagine being there the first time that story was told yeah but I digress. Joe Fiennes, I, I love him in that. But what's interesting yeah. about that, and I don't know about you, Bernadette, because you read the book after the fact. Right. But, but reading the book first, I imagined the character of the commander to be a little bit older. Absolutely. And a little bit more benign because yes. it sort of seemed like it was somebody who just wanted some companionship that like him and his wife couldn't play board games together. They didn't have like nice you know, friendly conversations anymore. He just wanted a little bit of companionship. Whereas Joe Fines kind of played it a little more sleazy. Like he was really, and aggressively so. Like he was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to take this lady to, you know. To Jezebel. Exactly, to Jezebel's. And we're going to have interracial hookups with your friend that used to be in the center with you. And I'm like, wait a minute, that didn't happen in the book. What is going on? Yeah, so. definitely. It was really weird going back and reading the book. The reason I love Margaret Atwood. I yeah. love uh the Matt Adam trilogy. Yeah. I think her writing is great, but I hadn't read the book and I was just going to watch the show and then go back. And then when I watched the show and they get to the end of the season and it has that ending. Right. I said, I can't wait until the next season to find out what happens to her. <laughs> right. And then you read the book and you're like, oh, that's the, book the end ends of that book. That way too. Yeah. I was gonna ask, like we can't really get into spoiler territory with the book. Like no. with the American Gods uh, episode, I was really happy that you guys really didn't dive into what happens in the book because it it's yeah. dealing with the season one. Definitely, because there's a so, lot of good so stuff proud. in there. I was like, yes, <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank and, and this one's like the complete opposite, where it's like you can't kind of talk about the book because it really does just kind of like they leave things out. They introduce new things to be able to uh, spread out characters. I mean, yeah. like, me and Diana, we were watching The Handmaid's Tale and we watched American Gods together. Yeah. And both times, these are books that books. she had read yeah. that she that she knew quite well. Handmaid's Tale from having read it recently. American mm-hmm. Gods. It's by one of your favorite authors. Neil Gaiman. Gaiman. Yeah, he's the best. Woo-hoo. Definitely. <laughs> I've um, read it a few times. He, Neil Gaiman, is the superior finds brother. That's who I was talking about. <laughs> Um, wasn't involved in this project, and, but he's coming up. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, t- both times, Diana was saying between Handmaid's Tale and American Gods, while she was watching, I was like, that's not in the book. Like, there was all these right. different changes that were happening where it's like, obviously, they're attempting to, like, with American Gods, like you said, I think it's totally obvious. They're going for like three seasons. I don't think they can really push it beyond that. I think that's what they're going to try and do. And Handmaid's Tale yeah. is probably like a similar thing where, like, they're going for three seasons. Maybe two, like maybe they just come back 
and like do one more like real quick or well it's really funny i read something today where the guy who's running the show was like i would be happy with 10 seasons for like, american just, gods no for uh Hammond's tale he was like i'll just keep jesus <laughs> i'll just keep going with it as long as people are engaging with these characters and are enjoying what's going on if i feel like the characters are viable I will continue to do so because he's not really restrained by the book huh. anymore because he already did the book. I definitely think that that's so interesting because yeah. they definitely expand on a lot of the characters that are just bit part side characters in the book and definitely like of Glenn, we should talk about her. Like yes. she's got way more backstory, even the driver, Nick, like we had no idea where he came from or how right. he ended up there. He's so hot. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I think what Handmaid's Tale does for the characters and building them works. And Definitely. I don't think American Gods worked. So far, not think, so much. I'm hoping yeah, they, 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 they pick it up. it up. Yeah, definitely. I, I hope American Gods gets better because I have such a love for that story. Absolutely, so. yeah. But yeah, I think with uh, the, the two people running the household, the commander and Serena Joy... Serena Joy in the book, she has a cane. Yeah, I know she's that like barely mobile. For yeah, me, that said, was the hardest that part. Too, Weird. That she was, uh, so first off, it's the lady from Chuck, which Yvonne, I don't know if you guys have watched, Yvonne, but I watched Strahevsky? Chuck. Yeah. What is it, Yvonne Strahevsky? Strahevsky. Hot yeah, CIA babe, tall, right? Mm-hmm. Like Ninja Warrior princess, so, and looks yes. good in teal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and in the book, she's supposed to be like some aged. TV evangelist walking around with a cane who's clearly older and infirm and can't pop a baby out, hence needs the handmaid. No, but she's, in the book though, she's older and like an evangelist. None of the the stuff they bring in in the show with her character where like she was kind of like a... um, she was like an integral part in starting the society. That was kind not of in like the book. accidentally though. Like she was like, you know, she was kind of like helping to write the opus for like. I feel the like they're, this really aggressive yeah. movement that they were going for, but she came from a background of like she was like a like a rallier. She would go yeah. to protests and stuff like, like that, and she like would fight show... for what she believed in. Yeah. And she kind of got brought in. I got the idea that she was never fully a part of that world; that she had been brought into that world by her husband, hmm. oh, and I... that like she used to protest and rally for other things, and was slowly being brought into that world and being kind of manipulated to turn her strengths towards uh what she was being manipulated to believe to be what was going to happen and huh. she like designed things that were going to create this world not realizing that they were just going to leave her to the wayside oh, yeah. and just take it even aggressively more i feel like the show paints her really intelligently and yes. has a, like all these philosophies and and the book itself doesn't really paint her that way it kind of right. is like i don't know I was going to say, I actually disagree with you a little bit, Mike. I feel like the couple, the commander and Serena Joy in the show, I think she's the one who has all of these like ambitions and thoughts and ideas about this new Republic of Gilead. Yeah, I could see that. And I think that the commander is kind of like almost not piggybacking off of her, but he was like, I'm in this couple. And then when she starts getting butted out because the men are taking charge, I think he feels very guilty. I think he does feel guilty at first. I think he feels as guilty as he can, but he's still not doing anything about it. Well, no, he's definitely not. He's taking advantage of it, but he's like, oh, we did this. But really, no, that's That's, not true. That's the funnest part about 
uh, Joseph Fine's character, character is that yeah. he is just the commander, right? Like, does he have a name? It's Commander. It's all. What's yeah. the? It would be. Well, you know what? It in would the, be Fred, right? In the Alfred? Fred yeah, his, Waterford. Yeah, in yeah. the book, he doesn't have a last name. Okay, I think he does. Does he? Yeah, because I think at the very end of the book, they have that college talk. Oh, right. years, years later. So that's the weirdest fucking part, that which Mike doesn't part. know because Go he doesn't didn't read the book. But so the ending, Alfred gets taken in the black van, and you're not really sure if it's like Nick who has arranged this for her as a way to escape. Or if she's like legitimately being taken away, but then there's which this, in the show I think we can right figure that out. But but there's this weird epilogue in the book where right. it's sort of like a sociology class studying these recordings of the handmaid years later that she obviously made after she escaped. And recorded her experience. And, and people are studying and it as this it. like weird shit that happened years ago. Right. Go figure. That's huh. weird. And they're <laughs> trying to identify who she was the right. handmaid for. Right. They're like, the way she describes him, it could be two men. Right. We don't think it's this guy, but we think it could be this guy. It's really bizarre. It is. Uh, I kind of found that weirdly dissatisfying to hear that at yeah. the end like i almost would rather it just be open-ended it's, and us not know i think it's kind of a right. little bit of a happy ending so yeah. because i don't because you still don't find out but you don't know if she had a kid you don't know if she you died. don't know yeah like, so it, it's still it's, it's still got that kind of melancholy think on what you just read ending right. with just a little bit of hopefulness that regardless of how things ended up for our hero our heroine right she our protagonist escape. yeah uh eventually the world was better for it. And so there's yeah. a little bit of like, and Margaret Atwood, like she, I watched a lot of interviews with her because she is just the funniest person. She's so direct. Really? She's fascinating. She is just like, I have not oh. watched any she interviews with her. She explained the trials and tribulations of women in The Handmaid's Tale by referring to like how she took things from rea- like from like real true stories and kind of mixed it together in this kind of what does she call it? It's not sci-fi. It's um, oh, I'm not sure. It's some it's some kind of fiction, like some kind uh, of fantasy, or it, no? It's like it's like uh, it's oh man, I wish I remembered this. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but it's like it's not sci-fi. It's more like this kind of like uh, cautionary future, like cautionary fiction. <laughs> Like anthropological. Where she fiction? says she's like she's like sci-fi takes place in a galaxy. What I tell right now in this story, this takes place here. Uh, and okay. I could she see says that. she says that she took uh real life events of women, either individuals or cultures all around the world throughout time, and they and their misery were the little raisins that she and the chocolate chips that they that she mixed in to be the cake that is handmaid's tale. Ew. And she talked like that and I was like I don't want to eat that cake. Who is this? <laughs> well you did. You watched the show, you're ready to uh, You ate the cake. That's it. Like, that's it. Yeah. My tooth is sore. <laughs> <laughs> you ate the cake and you ate the little uh the what, little, are, what do they call the donuts? The raisin that aren't donuts, they're like the donut balls. holes? The donut what? holes. Oh. That's what the show is. It's a donut it's a hole. Blow. Yeah, I think she just likes to really speak about things scientifically. And she didn't get a chance when she was writing the handmaid. Huh. So she was like, I didn't get to fulfill my appetite, so I'm huh. going to just write this little scientific <laughs> epilogue at the end, written in college speak, Weird. and get it out of my system. And, but yeah. And I, just full disclosure, I didn't read it page by page. I listened to the audiobook version of it, which was read by Claire Danes. 
which oh, was really kind of weirdly flat but good. And so reading that, or listening to that epilogue was very strange. Like she made that it was speech hard to read. scientific. Like she made a point of reading that very stiffly. Uh, so yeah, let's talk about the female performances because Elizabeth Moss killed this. So she's seeing a lot of recognition. I did not watch Mad Men. Full disclosure, Brenda? I have not seen all of Mad Men. Really I know. You I will. <laughs> <laughs> but no. I thought she was great in this. The and the yeah, fact that I know she is, is was a Scientologist. I think she is. Is that, is, is really interesting. You can do whatever you want. Interesting. You can do whatever you want. That's not hurt. It's technically no, not but, hurting anybody. No, but I mean, it is kind of in a way. It is, yeah, it is relevant. I tried to, this to be weird nice. Story. I, just, I couldn't do it. I mean, there's a great New York Times article about Fred Armiston being married to her for like two days before he realized she was a Scientologist, and it was like, "What the fuck? I'm out!" You know. So, yeah. But but yeah, it, it is I know, interesting. I, I would wonder what her reaction is going to be once The Handmaid's Tale is done. Definitely. If she's going to be like, "This opened my eyes." Yes. I don't think I can be a part of this organization anymore. Or if she's just steadfast, which I can't fault her for. Like, she's no. doing a good job yeah. doing what she's doing. But I don't know. It she is a little was great. Creepy. Scientology has always kind of struck me as this kind of thing where most of the people, like 80% of the people in there don't actually fully believe it. They just know that these are the people to be involved with because they have the money and the connections and that's it. And, and you just agents. go for it. Yeah. But like some people are nuts too. And it's a world that I do not know. I walked past the Scientology building in LA last time I was there with the intention of going in to like get my grade checked. Okay. Like my, you know, your, you get <laughs> your, your, your John Travolta action figure signed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You figure <laughs> out like, uh, like, can you check my John Travolta hairline on this? Like exactly where do I fall? Like you get your, you get your Google Gaga checked in so that you can find out how long it will take for you to get the flululululululul. Oh, nice. Which are actual term. Scientology terms. That's a technical term. Read the book. Oh, man. <laughs> I saw Going Clear and it messed me up. Oof. See, so. I didn't watch Going Clear because I... Mm-hmm. I about, can't do it. I can't about, do it. I'm sorry. What about that new show with the lady from the yeah. King of Queens? Leah Romini? Yes. Yeah. That also messed me up. I watched an episode of it. Oof. And I was like, I can't do anymore. I don't want to hear about her stuff. having to lick weird things off the floor as a Was punishment. she the wife in King right. of Queens? Yes. Yes. Did yeah. you hear about that scandalous? What's the scandal? Are you talking about for Kevin the, King you mean the Kevin fact King that Wade. Kevin James should never be married to anyone that attractive in real life? Oh, he's or? probably a super funny guy. He's just not believable. You can't tell from his movies, but he's uh, probably like a really funny guy. I like uh, At least he's cute. No. He's not Nick cute. Mm. He's cute. All right, let's get back on here. <laughs> no, Elizabeth Moss is... Uh, Elizabeth Moss in Mad Men is... Absolutely out of control. It is nuts that this woman, who was virtually unknown at the time, steals scenes from like John Hamm mm-hmm. and um, you know just all these and uh, Connor from Angel. You know, like what's they're, they're- the silver-haired beauty older guy that I love? Yes, yes. Uh- what is his name? Oh, Roger? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I can't remember his name. Was uh, it Jim Spencer? Yeah. John? John? Jim or John? It might be John. John. I John. love that actor. Yeah, yeah he's great. Him. He's Silver fantastic. Fox. He's yeah. great. And like, she just like, she starts off her character in in many ways is so small. Meek. Yeah. And just, and just grows and gets beaten back down and grows again and gets beaten back down. You never think that she's going to win, but she just con- consistently does 
and then gets beaten back down again. She, yeah. She's amazing she's in Mad Men, and she's insanely good in this show. So I feel like Absolutely. book version, book version of Alfred is not as strong mm-hmm. as Hulu TV version of Alfred. Like mm-hmm. she is a protester. She's more outspoken. We learn her name, which we never learn in the book. Which I think, I think we do getting it, it in the book. No, do we, we don't. don't? I've heard from yeah, other people that don't. we don't get it in the book, and okay, I don't know fair. which is right. But which I if, found was very interesting. If that is true, that the they fact do that, that so they early on, release it in the first episode. Yeah. That's a mic drop. Yeah, that's like to that's all you television. people that read this book. Yeah. Boom. Exactly. We it's are like, doing you know my name, bitch. Boom. Exactly. So it is very interesting, and I mean that's kind of like a directorial choice to go that way mm-hmm. i didn't necessarily agree with it i was just like oh whoa she's got a name all mm-hmm. right i'll have to look that up and it's kind of interesting because there is like weird flashbacks where they're going through her being at the red center where she's kind of learning how to be a handmaid and right. june is one of the names they mention mm-hmm. but we never know whether or not that's actually her name we which, kind of what, what's that place called the, gotcha. the, the red, red center. center which features my favorite character oh oh is it aunt lydia Oh, Mama Cass. Is. Oh, Aunt Lydia. I could I could watch a she is spin-off. Fierce. Of her. Aunt I'm Lydia down. is fierce. Yeah. <laughs> because there's there's um there's um pathos to that that you eventually get yeah. in the show. It's very and true. Because I think the I think more that so than in the book. The book Aunt doesn't Lydia make her as like, sympathetic for sure. Yeah, yeah. If Aunt Lydia is like my favorite character, my second favorite character is um Moira. Her what's friend. Her name? No. Yeah. Um No? Not Moira. No, what the uh, girl? The girl that she really likes. One-eyed Willie. Janine. 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 I like. Yeah. I like See, Janine on the show is that way better. Is yeah. Is she like. Is God bless you. Or I guess I don't know. She might be a Scientologist too. It's which, Madeline. Who do they Brewer. believe in? Madeline God Brewer. Bless you. <laughs> so, so book for show. Janine's way more of a kiss ass in the book. Yes. She's not kind as likable. She's actually like, so, sort of like a suck up and not the troublemaker. Like Moira is more of the troublemaker in the book. But mm-hmm. on the show, Janine's the one who gets her eye poked out, which is kind of wild. Mm-hmm. It's like, I didn't expect Wait, them to go there. I mean, on the show, they cut Janine's out. Janine's the one that gets, she doesn't she, get her eye cut out in the no, book? No, not in the book. Oh. Yeah, that doesn't happen. And And in the book too, like her baby doesn't survive. Mm-hmm. Like she has her baby, she goes through the whole ordeal. We get to see all the handmaids like the be there for day. her. And then her baby eventually gets deemed, I think they call it like a shredder, which is kind of fucked up, where they decide that the baby's like not healthy enough. Or it looks like Shredder from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> that, would, that would be pretty badass. <laughs> I wish it came out with like armor ninja style but yeah that right. would make me jealous i'd like to get deemed that yeah but yeah. there's like i want to be the shredder but like that whole sequence congratulations of like- it's a beautiful baby shredder <laughs> <laughs> and it's ordering a pepperoni pizza with extra cheese yes no, but but yeah like that whole sequence of her trying to take her baby on the bridge and jump off the bridge that doesn't happen in the book yeah and but that's a great scene no it's and great it speaks volumes to like what they're yeah doing. like and I, I think that they can do how many pages is this book that's a short book. are we talking that 150 long. pages maybe max yeah max it's well, not that okay. long yeah so they can do they definitely way did more some good stuff story yeah because they expanded quite it's a bit insane. and i was gonna say too because you said that you didn't diana you didn't read the book you listen to an audiobook I did. by Claire Danes. Yeah. And this is a new thing that's coming in where like audiobooks, I used to be like, 
eh, against. I'd be like, really? read, enjoy. I fucking love them. But nowadays, <laughs> I think it's good for community. But nowadays, yeah. you get celebrities. Like the, real celebrities. You get some You're really... not just getting like Morgan Freeman's going to tell yeah. you about Italy. No, you, you know, get this some... is like, you get like Will Wheaton. Yeah, you get some great... That's been on my docket for a bit. Will oh Wheaton's my God. Ready Player All right, One. All right, all right. Time out, time out, guys. If you haven't read Ready Player One, do yourself a favor and get the audiobook version with Will Wheaton <laughs> reading it. It is like the best fucking thing. And I don't want you to see that movie without having listened to the audiobook. And while you're at it, out of drink sight. some beer brewed so by Will Wheaton good. that he does in collaboration no with Stone way. every once in a while. I didn't know that. Yeah. Will Wheaton reading Ready Player One and oh, what man. Ready Player One is about. Like, there is nothing that does. Oh, I love it. I love it. Right. Uh, Wesley Crusher. You got it. You got this. But, uh, I believe in you. Aunt Lydia. Yes. Okay. Um, she's, she's a force you know, to be reckoned with. She starts with. off and you're just like, I love characters where you're just like, fuck you that character. Him. You hate him. Because that's an actor who is, you know, uh, a scholar of the dramatic arts. <laughs> and normally, I would say nine times out of ten, people that are involved in drama in the dramatic arts are like, very nice mm-hmm. because they're in touch with themselves. They know how to access emotions. So they're able at controlling their emotions better. Therefore their thoughts. And they're normally uh, very kind people, if not right. nice, just kind, just generally yeah. I can see that. not rude. Yeah. So yes. when you tolerable. see people like I love people <laughs> that are intolerable, like uh game of Thrones, Ramsey. Oh, I fucking shit. love that guy. Does horrible, horrible things so in awful. that show. To the point they pushed it a little bit too much at the end there where I'm like, all right, get rid of this guy. I'm sick of seeing him. This It's disgusting. But like, just, I love those weaselly, nasty little characters. But I also love film's power and especially TV's power because they have a lot of time to go, this is a bad guy. And all we have to do, they do it with Aunt Lydia and they do it with um, uh, the commander's wife. They're like, these are two horrible people that are only aiding to the problem, if not causing the problem. But you do develop sympathy for them. And then they just go, here are two things about them that are human, weak, and fragile. Now you understand. And now you're like, oh, fuck, like, you're still kind of an asshole, but by golly. Yeah. I kind of. Yeah. Like, and Aunt Lydia's, like, her transformation of just, like, stone cold bitch. Like, there is no. Better three words to do. Like, she is just like, oomph. She is uh, fascist. And to, you know, with Janine in the, in the hospital bed. And just, like, really genuinely worried for her. And, yeah. like, worried for the kid. And it's like, it's really good. Yeah. It's good pathos. I think they're going to have a lot of good stuff to do with her character second season. When at the very end of the first season, when the girls all rally together and don't stone Janine because Janine caused a child harm so she deserves to die and so they're all ordered to stone her and they all band together and say they're not going to do it and the guards are wanting to take down all the handmaids for being insubordinate and Aunt Lydia says no these girls are under my care. I cried. Diana can attest to this. Oh, I cried so like a baby I during really... that scene because I, I saw it coming I was like Oh fuck! They're gonna bring Janine up. Oh, I really do, hope that they. That, I really hope they take the time to give us in another season some Aunt Lydia backstory. That'd be great. Because I think they will. They, those they characters dip their toes are the in most that. interesting. Like right. knowing how somebody gets to that point where they really feel justified in being cruel to another person because they're so 
steadfast to their weird fucked up principles. I'd like to see what the hell did Aunt Lydia do in regular, boring, modern day life leading up to this. And then she was probably a secretary that got pushed around. Yeah, like, like what? Something like that. Exactly. Probably. What I mean, pushed her to just that talking point. about like, yeah, like she's she's used yeah. to being the one taking orders. And now, I mean, is it be, is is she? Is she an aunt because of her age that she's already gone through menopause? And so probably. she can't birth yeah. anyway. Is that because I love I love the. Uh, like the dictomony of uh, women, mm-hmm. yeah. and where it's like if you if you can carry children, you're a handmaid, and you're if kind you're- of excused from even like of Glenn. She fucks some serious shit up. She starts yeah. rebelling, but but the fact that she's fertile and had a child, they keep her around. They'll mess versus, her up. Yeah, they'll, yeah, they won't yeah. kill her. Mm-hmm. And I definitely want to talk about her more for yeah. sure. Oh, yes. absolutely. And it's like, and so it's like if you can do that, you're a handmaid. Uh, if you just happen to be one of the people that are lucky enough to be married to a commander or somebody who's in charge, um, you're just you're uh, a wife. You're right. just like a yeah. like miss commander. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, so what are the the cooks the the the, um, Martha. the, the Marthas? Marthas. Yeah. yeah. What are the Mar? Are they just women that are infertile, and that's what happens to them? Because like they, you can get sent to a camp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the colonies. The colonies, where it's just like that's like eh, the like that's, that's like the worst case scenario. So the right. colonies is for like the major offenders. It's like they paint a picture of those people are dealing with nuclear waste. Right, it's like, like they're waste. gonna die. And the Marthas are sort of like the weird pious sister that just happens to be infertile. So we're gonna reward her with this weird like house slave job, mm-hmm. <laughs> essentially. Because, yeah, the, the main Martha, the one who's in Waterford's, that commander's household, mm. she talks about a child. Like, yeah. she said, like, I had a, I can't remember. She son. had a son. Son, yeah. yeah. And so, I don't know. The interesting so thing, the interesting thing about the, the Marthas for the book versus the show is that there were actually two Marthas in the commander's household. Yes. There was Rita and Cora. And I can't remember now which character's name they actually used for the TV show. I think it was Rita. Okay. Uh, Rita is the one that sounded familiar okay, to me. Okay, so yeah. Rita was like the hard ass that was always giving of Glenn, I mean, Alfred a, a hard time about right. stuff. And then there was Cora, and Cora was actually the one who was like kind of sweet to her, would let her sneak like better food, was hoping that. Offred would get pregnant. Exactly. That was excited. And then they kind of did like a weird combination of the two Marthas for the show, Hmm. which I guess kind of worked because, you know, in the grand scheme of things, you didn't really need two characters, but true. It was sort of like it painted this weird. It was like good cop, bad cop with the two Marthas. Like they were kind of like, oh, Rita's going to bust your balls and then Cora's going to slip her like an extra orange because she mm-hmm. feels bad for her. You know? well, I, re- I really like, like I really thing. dug that scene between yeah. um, uh, the commander's wife and Rita where like the commander's wife is just going like through this like kind of crisis and Rita is like uh, like she catches the, the commander's wife. What's her name? Serena. Serena. Serena Joy. Serena Joy. Serena Joy. Uh, <laughs> He catches her Such an um, epic name. like finding she catches her like finding like the 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 bala booze. Mm-hmm. And they kind of share it and she's like yeah. seriously like 
And that's, oh, yeah. I think that's a really fun moment where like th- there is like these etches in there where everybody, regardless of how little power you have or how much power you have, a lot of people understand how ridiculous yeah, you get the and issues. terrifying the situation it's is. It's like glimpses of humanity. Where it's just like, people. what the fuck? And yeah. like, that's why I really do believe that like, uh, I was talking like when you're when you're spitting theories and stuff like that. I have a feeling that they're creating a an arc for Serena where her first season, yeah, she's the the diabolical wench that you start to see like kind of has a heart of gold and is just kind of going along has been dealt a raw deal and is taking it out on the people that are most easy to take it out on. And then eventually I think that she's going to get turned into a handmaid because they're gonna find out that she is fertile and that the commander is actually the one that's infertile. Yeah. They kind of talk about that in the show. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like that's are... where that's going. Even in the Maybe book, not even that intense. Like Maybe like they make her an aunt or they make yeah. her a Martha, but like she is going to get knocked down. They keep saying like, even in the book, that it's not acceptable to say that the guy might be infertile. Right. right but that's the whole thing. Like a, an unspoken disease has gone across that has made a certain percentage of the population Infertile or yeah, fertile, sterile. but giving birth to like monstrosities. Yeah. Oh wait, yeah. really? Yeah. yeah. Like babies are. Oh, that's born. not a thing in the show. No, they touch on it ever so slightly. Yeah. Oh wait, so that's what happens to Janine? Mm-hmm. Kind of. She yeah. Gives, she gives birth to they Oracle. Well, yeah. It's like babies, Scientology god. Babies Shredder. are being born and they're Shredder. lasting like two weeks. They're not or, healthy. They're not. They healthy. call them shredders. Some of them in the book deformed. they do. Ew. Yeah, yeah it's sad. It's sad. Yeah. Because I think in the show, too, um, Moira and June are having a conversation when June says, I'm pregnant. And she was like, I'm nervous. And Moira's like, it'll be fine. And June's like, but not all of them are fine. Right. So Why they don't kind they of... do that in that show? That adds such oh, an extra level of like that's danger. In the show. No, that is in like, the show. It's very subtle. Because like in the don't... book, they actually never tell you whether or not June or Alfred is actually pregnant. Like, she thinks she's pregnant. But we don't really know for sure if she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going back to when June was pregnant with Hannah, her first oh, daughter. Oh, And she yeah. tells Moira, she was like, I'm pregnant. And Moira's like, oh. And she was like, no, it'll be, like, it'll be fine. Yeah. And yeah. June's like, I don't know. I don't think it will be fine. Like, Ugh. I'm not going to know until I have it. That's like the start live. of the scare that right. things are happening, mm-hmm. that people are becoming infertile and there's weird Yeah, weird I feel like that would be a born. very odd thing to leave out because it really does kind of throw this, as if you didn't. You had to throw extra life or death situations <laughs> on this entire situation. It's like, oh, it's even worse now. It's just like, oh, you could have the baby. Oh, my and kid it could, has a third it arm. It could like just literally tear you apart and just like it's going to be horrible. And <laughs> like, oh. ugh. Yeah, going back to Serena, I do think it would be really interesting seeing her getting demoted because you see these glimpses of her where you see a little bit of humanity. Get those flashbacks. And then Walking Dead style. Exactly. Ripping off Lost. Yeah. <laughs> going back and back and back. That's what it is, baby. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there are uh, scenes where you see Serena shred of humanity and you see her like, I'm sure she is just getting to the point where she's like, I either have to be mean and save face or they're going to do away with me, just right. like they've done away with the rest of women. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so you get to that, like, second to last episode where she takes June, Alfred, to see her daughter. And she was like, "If your daughter will be fine if my child is fine. Yeah, Cold. that is so And then so you're like, oh, I hate you again. <laughs> exactly. Ice. Yeah. 
I was and starting it, to like you. Yeah, and like in the book, she doesn't actually physically take her to see her daughter. Shows her like a picture. She yes. shows her a photograph of her daughter clearly at another home, like with another family, so that she sees that her daughter is older and being taken care of, but, you know, obviously not by her. So it's mm-hmm. still disturbing. And she kind of waves that as like this bait, like, yeah, sleep with Nick. Get pregnant. Oh, Give me a child the, and I'll show, let you see your daughter. Even in the show, it's the ultimate fucking move. Yeah. Because you're just like... It totally is. You, like, you, you think that whatever little tiny bit of control um, Alfred had in uh, the, that household where it's like, right. you know, like I've got the commander wrapped around my finger. Or do I? I do. Or do I? I do. Or do yeah. I? Like... Whatever little tiny bit of control she had that she could kind of maneuver around and do these weird things is just completely taken away when it's just shown that it's like, your daughter is like nothing to me and I know exactly where she is and I'm in control because I'm like one of the top 50 most important people in the country right now. Yeah. So. And that scene of her being inside the car, like banging. Oh, it's on the rough window. when she finally breaks. Oh, it's, it's the like whole thing. It's the whole thing so Nick says. Is exactly. it Nick that says it the whole time? Where it's like everybody breaks. Don't yeah. even worry about it. Just everybody She's breaks. She's been Don't. so strong that whole mm-hmm. time and she just finally like fucking lets loose and cries and screams and you're like, Oh my god. Just says everything that we as the audience wanna say yeah. to Serena too, just like you're fucking crazy, maniacal, like oh. Absolutely. Can we, uh, since we're on our daughter, can we talk about the third member of that family, who's also another one of my favorite parts of the show? Hubs, Luke, Luke, Luke. Oh, he was so good. Both. So so you know what? Like book Luke, not that great. Show Luke, (laughs) way better. Book Luke is like he's kind of douchey and like weirdly has these undertones of being okay with the fact that like the new society makes it more male centric. I think like, Moira speaks to that too. Yeah. He's like, hey, dude, you're cool with this, right? Right. Like, of course you don't have to worry. Like, yeah. Dude. They sort of show the rollback of when they start taking away power from women in general. Like they start freezing women's credit card accounts and checking accounts and leaving it to the men to make purchases. And Luke is kind of like, don't worry, baby, I'll take care of you in a weird kind of condescending way. And that's mm-hmm. when you're sort of like, wait a minute. Well, that's like, <laughs> and, and that's in the show. Me and you got in like a, a, a debate about this because in oh, that moment. Remind me because I don't remember. Yeah. I'll, I'll be the mediator. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember. In that moment, I was like, because I, and I think that it's very important to have, um, what's her face there? Her friend. Moira. Moira. Totally. Because in that, because Moira's the one that calls it out. Yeah, because Moira says, Don't is wor- both. He's like, "Don't worry, like and I'll gay. be able to take care so, of you." And he's, yes. you know, to me. And again, this may be white male gaze. Yep, <laughs> it might be me. You know, thinking that when he said that, I thought that he was attempting to make light of the situation that is super serious. Yeah, and they are three friends, very close friends that we eventually get in probably the sweetest moment in TV that I have seen. A long time when Luke goes and gets Moira. Ah, oh yeah, that was yeah. very sweet. Or when I'm like when Moira shows up, yeah, and when, Luke is like, "You're on my list," right? You're when on my list, I thought like, the list was for family. family. Like, yeah. like they yeah. set oh, Moira up, up like refugee oh, going to another country, and she has no expectation that anyone is looking for her. She mm-hmm. thinks I'm gay. 
I'm black, I'm alone, I'm, I have no partner, I have no family. And then Luke shows up mm-hmm. looking for her. Yeah. That is really heartbreaking and And amazing. so I think, like, towards the beginning of the show, when we first get introduced to, like, what the relationship is going to be between um, June and Moira and June and Luke and Luke and Moira is he's, like, trying to lighten it up. He's kind of a light dude, and they make that whole joke with the hot dog and everything and how they meet. And I think he's kind of just, like, he's like, yeah, this is some serious shit, but don't worry, I'll take care of you. Ha, 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 ha. Like, it's okay. Like, all your money is in my account. It's still your money. Like, I'm not... And then Moira's the one that points it out. It's like, oh, you're going to take care of her. Like, like she needs you. Yeah. And I took it as more, like, where he's, like... I took that as more, like... Like they were poking at each other as like these kind of friends that like kind of are annoyed by each other, but deep down, I think they both understand they love each other, but might not understand that the other one loves them the same. Yeah, the book and kind that's of what comes full force at the end with yeah. more. Yeah, and that's what I got in the show, and I think that it's different in the show than it is in the book because I'm su- like that's another thing that I'm really excited about with the second season is seeing that Moira and Luke Come relationship. On grow as they attempt to you know save june and may it grow in a way that is not good for june uh yeah drama i don't you know what like that was one of the biggest differences from the show and the book that i really enjoyed was being able to see that sort of like outside of gilead like because you you kind of get this idea that you're like wait a minute is the rest of the country like this is it just this weird east coast massachusetts enclave doing this thing like what's going on in the rest of the world and so you kind of get this glimpse of all right they escaped to canada they're acting like a refugee from like a war-torn country we get to see them kind of adapting and trying to rebuild their life the the weird side character that like doesn't speak that's with luke the whole time that like blonde woman Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, like that wasn't a character in the book. There was no side plot about Luke escaping in the book, and I actually really they, enjoyed like that. Little America. Yeah, yeah, they call it yeah. America. Is that in the book? No, That's not a really at all. Cool idea. And I yeah. really enjoyed that in the show. I thought that was really well done, and that is something that would happen in that <laughs> timely kind of scenario. Yeah, 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 fuck yeah. seriously. Little America, Canada, Justin, please take me in. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Talk about a dreamboat. Dreamy. Not as dreamy as Nick, though. No, That's a, no. not, you can't you can't get past that. Dark eyes. Yeah, I think that speaks to both of those actors, uh, Elizabeth Definitely. Moss, and then this guy. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Luke's real name. Ot Fagbenle. Luke's real name. Yeah. Ot. Oh, I know it's Ot. Yeah, and he's yeah. got yeah. I do know it's Ot. He was great. He was great. Um, I am. Really not into adultery. I'm an adult. I understand yeah. why that happens. I understand when relationships go sour. I get that. And these two actors, and I think it helps that you get to know these two characters as a couple and as June offered by herself. Right. Before you get to realize that June and Luke were hooking up while Luke was married. Right. And that they were having an affair. They really and, do kind of like... But they're very humanizing. And they do kind of anchor home that idea you know because like uh the ants call them all like you know they call them sluts you're, right you're jogging wearing like a short sleeve yes. shirt or short short like <laughs> slut. and like we understand as like common sense people like that's ridiculous like yeah. you're, you're right you're going crazy right uh and i think that by 
placing these motivations on June's past, mm-hmm. you've you are very much in the right to be like, girl, you acted like a slut right there with that yeah. husband of yours. Like she was, she was, she was, he was he somebody was else, someone. and so you, and so it's it kind of difficult. it breaks that it breaks that barrier where you're just like, no, you don't call women that like no. ever, even if they are doing that professionally. You don't right. call that's a bad word. They have a good word for that. It's called prostitutes. Professional. <laughs> professional word it's got it's pro weird. at the beginning of it boom there it is that's got to be where it comes from yeah um yeah they just but it, it, they, they really mess well. around with the idea that like she's not perfect no nobody's perfect we talked about earlier nobody's 100 yeah and no. just because she's our protagonist and she's our hero in this story that is like at the base of it about the degradation of like the female spirit that doesn't mean that she has to be like this perfect embodiment of what a woman can be. That's true. She's a yeah. person. Yeah. You know, like she's going to make mistakes. Yeah. You're not going to hold the male characters to that standard. So why should you be ha- handling the, the women? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I really do like too, like when all of that is happening in that flashback and we're seeing how she met her husband that we've already grown to like know a little bit about in the first episode we get yeah. like the the split and everything and we learn that like oh he was with somebody else we are drawn to judge her and not him for the right reasons mm-hmm. you know he is obviously doing something terrible as well but the story is not his the story is of fred's it's june's right. and through her decisions in that we're learning more about her as a character that we're mm. not allowed to really see most of the time in the show because she's pretending yeah. most of the time. Even though we hear her in her monologue, right. we really yeah. don't know like who is this person. Yeah. And that's what's kinda that's what's kinda interesting about it and learning more about that. Well yeah, their past definitely helps aid their complexities as characters. Cause even in that definitely. scene where the women's bank accounts are getting frozen and June kind of has to reconsider like well, my husband loves me. He says he loves me, but he said that to his first wife too. Yeah, shit. Yeah, and so now she's kind of at that crossroads where she's right. like, "Well, all right, like now we have a different dynamic. I don't have a job. I don't have any money. Yeah, are so you still sc- going so to stick scary. around? We have it a child is scary. together. It's just like but all controls taken away. Like, I know. I feel like one of the saddest scenes in both the book and the show is when June is at her job and yes. her boss is like, I have to let you guys go, and I'm sorry. I can't and do anything. Yeah, the boss, is really, the boss is really going to say, I can't like, do anything lady, about I'm it. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Like, it's not, it's and, and then there's, like, weird that's military a that police we, That's there. a weird thing, too, that me and you talked about in it, where I was like, I, I don't have this type of, I don't have this level of, what am I trying to say here? I I do not I do not believe that this level of apathy exists in the world that something like this could actually happen on this level. I, I think it I totally, do. Right. I and, totally and think that, it could. And that very <laughs> much that very much is my socialization and yeah. my upbringing. Yeah. Sorry, white, white male. Dude. Absolutely, I get it. <laughs> but like watching the show, I was like, I can't believe that everybody would just like turn like yeah. this. Like, this is nuts. Yeah. But then when it you start totally seeing happen. recent events, you're just like. Job, oh, fuck. Like, it's oh, yeah. shit. Jesus Christ. It really is, like, right there. Hello, president. Yeah. It mm-hmm. could it could happen. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. We're going to take a quick break here for a second, and we'll be right back. 
spot right now to talk about some future things going on with Story Screen. Um, up, <laughs> up next, we're going to be posting a strong female directors podcast. So check that out. We have four wonderful people, Virgin and I being two of them, talking about strong lady directors. So two extremely wonderful people. Yeah. And okay. then two wonderful people. Okay, cool. <laughs> I like saying that. But yeah, so check that out very soon that should be posted actually before this one so if you're listening to this one go back and it's listen already to that there one. yeah <laughs> it's already out there yeah this is actually uh when this will come out this will be our first episode after our our uh, 50 episode mark wow. yeah this is 51 starting the starting the the second journey towards 100 congrats guys mm-hmm. <laughs> thank you <laughs> But yeah, so it took you this long to get on here. Aww. <laughs> I've been listening. Yes. <laughs> and you will participate more nice. in the future. Nice. All right, guys. Thanks so much. And we are back. So, yeah, so let's get into, uh, we've talked about a lot of the other different characters, but one of the biggest characters that they built on for the show was Offlin, played by Alexis Bledel, which is like, <sighs> Rory watching, Gilmore. watching Gilmore Girls A Day in the Life, and then watching The Handmaid's Tale, Fuck it's like, yeah. I didn't even know that, like, to watch I Gilmore know. Girls, you wouldn't even know that she could act. I was so I was proud. So I was so proud of you, Alexis, because... <laughs> you, uh, you want more, you want more, uh, white male? Oh, because the latter Gilmore Girls, not so good. I, am, so I didn't watch Gilmore Girls, so when I see Alexis Bledel, you know what I see? Do you see Sister of the Traveling Pants? Nope. She's oh. in Mad Men. I know. Who do you see? I see her character in Sin City. Oh, yeah. That's all I see. Wait, what character? Is she's in both In the sequel? Because like, I didn't see that she's one. A she's in both of them. She's a pro. She's in the first one? She's yeah. in the first one, yeah. I have no recollection of this whatsoever. Josh Hartnett kills her in an elevator. Ah, uh, blah. I don't remember Teen that. Heartthrob, Josh Hartnett. The original Teen Heartthrob. 40 Days and 40 Nights, sorry. It's no. a great movie, 40 Days and 40 Nights. He's not going to fuck anybody <laughs> for 40 days. Hey, and nights, like that's plus. the whole thing. And then he meets the hot girl from Night's Tale. It's a great movie. They go to the laundromat. He hides his tie behind the sign. <laughs> that is a hot lady, and I had many, many fantasies. Have you about seen Four her. Days and Four Nights? You just make fun of it. No, I've seen it because oh, okay. Okay. that Shannon Sossaman or whatever Shannon her name Sossaman, was yeah. was a fantasy of mine, and I went to a women's college. So she was a fantasy take of mine that too. for what you will. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Well, Alexis Bledel was a prostitute in Old Town. She worked oh, yeah. with Rosario All right. Dawson. That makes sense. That makes sense. So that's sense. who she is. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. She's mm-hmm. good in that. She's very demure. She's great in it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's I, I, that's her Gilmore Girls has always been like one of those shows that's been on my list. You should I'm, watch it. You would love I it. I love eating pop culture. The sheer volume of Pop culture references in the dialogue of that show. You would love it. It's, it's on my great. list, I swear. It, you would love it. It's great. The show is good. The year in the life. The not, two middle not episodes are good. terrible. Yeah, not <laughs> that terrible. good. Not that good. I, I was first, disappointed. The first one and the last one are okay. I wasn't, okay. I wasn't a part of Gilmore Girls when it was on or when it was done. And I wasn't really a part of Gilmore Girls when it was coming back. But I got to tell you, <laughs> the marketing when Gilmore Girls came back. Hilarious. I, pandering. They were just like, oh, that's right, bitches. You know you can't not watch, watch this. <laughs> like, we don't even need to advertise it. You know you're going to fucking watch it. And yeah. you're just like, damn it. We yes, had a I Gilmore's am. Girls party at my sister's house. I'm not Everybody. Gonna lie. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> had a Gilmore's Girls party. I'm not going to lie. This is the power of Auckland right yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. But definitely that was the character that they developed the most for the show. In the book, 
not that big a character, a little bit annoying. Definitely still the plot of one day she's just not there and there's Sounds a like new all the characters in the book suck. No, I mean not it's like necessarily. Luke, Luke's a dick. Janine's kind of bratty. Of yeah. Glenn's annoying. It's essentially what you are reading when you're reading The Handmaid's Tale is a journal yeah. written by one woman. Yeah. Oh, that's right, because it and is so, from a point of view, right? Right. Okay. So, so you are getting fleshed out characters in the show. So it's pretty much what she thinks about them. Yes. Right. And she's going through some shit. Yeah. So she's probably a little judgmental. I yeah. think so. Got it. And you kind of pick up on the tone in the book that she finds of Glenn a little annoying. Like, of Glenn is kind of like... Oh, I'm in with this secret society. I'm working mm. for the rebellion, and Alfred's like, "What the fuck are you talking about? Mm. Shut up!" Right? You know, it's kind of like a I, little bit downplayed. Where I, I don't eat meat because the, the meat it, packaging. There you go. Is, exactly. Uh, there you go. And it's really cool if you think about it. But I think it's it is some of the changes that are interesting to me were that you know they have that ceremony of the salvaging. where it's kind of like this weird ritualistic way of pacifying the handmaids where they get to beat the shit out of and kill a man who has supposedly done something terrible that's from the first episode yeah Mm -hmm. well whereas in the book that didn't happen till really towards the end of the book Mm -hmm. so that was like a really intense thing to have so early on in the show so in the book of glenn supposedly is in with you know, this rebellion or working underground to... Mayday. Exactly. <laughs> Mayday. To uphold these principles in the face of Gilead. And she's the one who knocks out, kicks in the head, the guy who is being kind of like sacrificed at the salvaging. Because we kind of get the the gist that whatever offense, rape, murder that they say this person has done, they probably haven't actually done that. They've probably just disagreed with Gilead and the mission of Gilead and they're being punished and sacrificed to all the handmaids. And the handmaids get to beat the shit out of this person until they die. And that's sort of like pacifying them for the time being. Getting out their rage. Exactly. Yeah. So of Glenn is the one who goes ahead and like kicks this guy in the head and knocks him out so that he won't be conscious while he's being beaten to death. But in the show, Offred kind of goes for it and it's sort of yeah. seen as like this moment of pure rage which is sort of terrifying well, it's a little because it's interesting put it at, yeah. putting it at the beginning as yeah. opposed to yeah. the end too because I read a completely different thing from that yeah, in right. the first episode where I'm just like it's like this moment of helplessness fucking they're, Crazy. they're mad yeah and so they're angry and little, they can't yeah. do anything about it and mm-hmm. this is their way to get that shit off their chest mm-hmm. yeah it's nuts yeah, seeing that scene, yeah, so early on in the show, and then seeing how Offlin is so quickly silenced because she has a relationship with her Martha. Right. And they decide to put them both in their place. Yeah. And that scene in the hospital, oh my gosh. Yeah, the idea. wakes up. Yeah, the idea and, of female circumcision as a punishment is so fucked up. And then to make her watch her lover get hanged. Yes. As she's going off to the hospital. Right. Very brutal. So like, so in the book, we never have any indication. about that. Yeah. We never have any idea that Uglin is gay. Not practical. You would close the door before you would start (laughs) pulling away. Totally. I get it. It's dramatic. It's very sad. But like in the book, we never know that Uglin is supposed to be gay. We don't know that she was married or had a child. Like we have no backstory on her. Mm -hmm. Right. So I definitely 
it was really interesting to have that as a subplot to have the fact that being gay is not accepted. Mm-hmm. Right. They say that right from the front too. It's like the people that are being hanged are just like different religion, just different beliefs. We are yeah. hanging and killing people that have different beliefs than we do. Right. And I think having like the one person who symbolizes revolution in June's world, somebody who is fighting back constantly and won't stop no matter what happens, having that person be gay is like super important yeah. because that's that shit y'all. But it's interesting, too, because in the book, Moira, in my opinion, is a lot stronger. Like, she's a lot more of a troublemaker. She's the one who's actually gay. She's black. She's, like, really fighting for Isn't she for gay it. in the show? She is, but... I think so, yeah. In the show, it's a little bit different because in the book, they pretty much banish everyone who's not white. Like, in the... In the book, it's, like, a lot more overtly racist. Like, they're, like, like they call African-Americans, like, children of the pig or something, like, ridiculously racist, where they, like, send them off to the Midwest. They won't let them stay within Gilead. 1985. Yeah. Coming up with new ones. Seriously. Seriously. So, in in the show, it's, like, a lot more diverse having Moira and other characters of other nationalities there. And yeah. as long as they're fertile, they're keeping them around. But that's sort of yeah, the it, case. Yeah, it's this kind of thing where it's like, yeah, they're, you know, the show is heavily dealing with uh, how much religion can suck. Yeah. If mm-hmm. it's given too much power. The whole rise of, like, the right Christianity in the 80s, which is probably what she was really writing about totally. in 85. Um, and, um, you know, women's, uh, women rights and just like their general just existence and how much it sucks. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's, it's terrible. I'm sorry about it. Um, well, I think the reason too, that you think Moira is probably a stronger character in the show is that, or in the book, yeah. is that there's this epic scene in the show where Moira and June apprehend that aunt take her to the bathroom it's right like the bathroom's clogging blah 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 right That's take fun. her downstairs to the basement lock her up say you're gonna stay here we're gonna leave take off your clothes and they steal her clothes and they try to escape in the book june just hears about this from another another handmaid right and it was only moira who did that all by herself mm-hmm. yeah concocted there's that whole escape plan. there's never that scene of them like trying to get on the subway and right. one of them Gets meeting it. the police that never happens in the book like moira just escapes and we don't know what happens to her until we see her at this like speakeasy prostitution right. jezebel's and we never was she, we never was see she her a, escape was, either. was she a user before that not necessarily. Kind of like recreationally yeah. in college. Like, she and June would definitely smoke weed and they would definitely... Well, yeah, but they got them on some, like, tougher shit than yeah, that. Yeah, That's absolutely. what I mean. I'm like, was she going through some stuff in... No. And like, in the book, do they say that, like, in college when she was with June... Does... Not necessarily, no. No, okay. They kind of, a like... Bit, I got yeah. something about that where it was kind of like, I've gotten through, like, a lot of rough stuff. Like, there was always, like, uh, June was always like, so how you doing? You know, when they were doing the flashbacks of them, like, in college and everything. It's like, oh, it looks like she got over something rough. Could have been a breakup, but then when the the drugs and everything came into play later and she's just like, I'm comfortable now. This is the best it's going to get for somebody like me. Which, hello, that's the perfect point to bring up the fact that she's black. 
This is the uh, best it's going to be for me. I'm a black woman in this world. This is the best it's going to get for me. But they still just kind of, they just guide away from it for some like really odd reason. Yeah. It's like race doesn't even have like a, there's no topic of conversation in the show. Yeah, they don't use it. They don't really really deal with it in the show, whereas in the book they kind of deal with it. Overtly deal with the fact that it's it's super odd. It's like, it's kind of like Gilead is like this weird puritanical Salem witch trial society where it's like super white. Women have to be really pure. There's Mm -hmm. no racism discrepancies. Like, you're just like, yep, it's just the white ladies. They're holy. I think uh, the only discrepancy that I saw between the book and the show that I wish could have been different, because uh, really I liked the changes that the show made. Me too. I thought they worked really well. Definitely. Um, what I wish they would have touched on was June's mother. Oh, uh, cause yeah. when I read the book, I was surprised to see that June thought about her mother a lot. And right. it seemed like her mother... That second season stuff right there, probably. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. With her being pregnant... Searching mm-hmm. for her daughter. Right. That's definitely going to come up where she's going to start having flashbacks with her mom and everything, yeah. which means they can bring in some dame some to awesome play actress. like, yeah, like Kathy Bates, just like, American Aww. Horror Story sucks. I'm coming over here. Oh, no. I would love It doesn't for her suck. It's just else. like stupid. You know, it's I love just, some of it's stupid. I love some it. Some of it. I love it too. It's, <laughs> but it's stupid. It's like, I love donuts, but I know they're not good for me. Uh, I'm going to get a donut tomorrow on the way to work. <laughs> That's a really yes. good idea, actually. Okay. So, Burge, uh, June's mom was, uh, like, a bra burner type of woman. She was like, I'm free. I raised you as a single mother. Like, June doesn't really have a father. Like, she only right. really remembers her mother. Makes right. sense. And her mom was, like, this woman who was, like, kind of crazy, would go to every rally, was like, I, you're lucky I'm raising you the way I'm raising you. Right. Like, just very opinionated. June was always kind of put in her place, which I think makes it easier for her to accept this new reality like she's still angry but she was like oh gosh this like reminds me of the time when my mom was this way to me and she didn't want to grow up to be her mother be this like freedom fighter that her mom was and now society has placed her in this situation where she has to kind of be this freedom fighter Mm. like her mom would have been but she's always wondering like i wonder if my mom is alive like the last time i spoke to her was at this weird time, and then all of a sudden she was like calling her mom's apartment complex. Right, her mom wasn't there, like mm. her mom was just gone, and she was like, "I don't even know if my mom's alive." Well, that, that's an interesting thing too about TV shows, and that's why, like, I really think they're going to do that in the second season. Yeah. It's like movies can get away with just like here's two characters and they fall in love, but then like <laughs> weird things happen and they fall out of love, but then they get back together and their friends don't like each other. The end. The end. You don't have to learn about their parents with TV right. shows. More often than not, if you follow a character long enough, you, you, you have to at least have them mention like, oh, my dad said this to me once or my mom was always this kind of person. Like think about Spike in Buffy. Aww. Like you got to find out like, what's this dude's deal? Like who are his parents? Where did he come from? And you get one of the saddest things that has ever happened to anyone <laughs> ever on a TV screen. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. so that makes sense though because it, it really does – I think that bringing in – Fictional characters, fictional parents really informs where they're going. And the fun thing about that is, is you can, as the writer, you can just make it up. Yeah. You know, you can already have a fully formed character and now you want to throw some like trials at them. 
All you got to do is be like, ooh, Here's a mommy or daddy complex. Yeah, totally. Boom, and you just make something up and like, ooh, it, it's a metaphor for this. And now you're going to do that and <laughs> have fun, fictional character. It's enriching their character. Yeah. <laughs> Making fictional characters suffer. That's TV's job. It is. It the drama. Is. <laughs> Who do you think? You've seen Angel. No. No, you haven't seen Angel. You've seen Angel. Yes. Okay. Uh, and you've seen... Um, who, like, would you say that Angel, the character of Angel, David Boreanaz? Boreanaz? Boreanaz. Boreanaz? Yeah. Bones. Would you say yeah, that David he Boreanaz. has like, the hardest life of any TV fictional character? Who do you really think so? I think so. You know so. what? I feel oh, like damn. Spike gives him a pretty good run for his money, but yeah, but but, but Angel's also, Angel went character to hell arc for like is a little years. bit sadder. Yeah, Angel sure. went to hell for like three hundred years. I know, but as a TV viewer, mm. that three hundred years was like one episode. So Patrick Stewart also Captain oh, Picard has. Ah, uh, he lived another life. Time. He built a pan flute. What about he built a pan flute and everything for and his wife and child that he like never had. Yeah, this no. is just like where my Star Trek fans at. It's really sad. What about like? Jesse Pinkman. Like, from Dude, are you, are you fucking with me right now? I saw all your Facebook I know, before. I just finished watching Breaking Bad. Jesse Pinkman. The <laughs> Jesse like, Pinkman character is such a... Oh, Aaron Paul. Such a sad character. It's a great performance, too. Like, Aaron, Aaron like, Paul. Brian Cranston winning, I'm like, totally, I get it, dude. Like, the guy is firing on all cylinders. He's, he's just, like, chewing everything off. Aaron Paul is just this, like subverted very quiet performance except when he like cries but when he cries you're just like it feels real and he's just getting messed around and I absolutely love Breaking Bad because of Aaron Paul's character Brian Cranston's Walter White really fun character but compared to Jesse Pinkman I could take him or leave him agreed (laughs) love Jesse Pinkman okay anyway sorry so yeah uh, to get back to The Handmaid's Tale (laughs) uh, the, the last thing that I will say that kind of took me out of the show from time to time was their music choice. Like, oh, their music yeah. choices, it was to remind you, I felt, that this was taking place in modern day, or they wanted to make sure that the viewers weren't like, this is the past. No, right. like, this is current. But I felt like it was so... some weird ones, yeah. There were some warm, jarring but not ones. in a good way. Yeah, definitely. Like, it could have been jarring, and in a good way, but I felt like it was not Is that what they're going the right... for, though? I think so. Are they trying to make you uncomfortable, but still kind of like you're used to it? Oh shit! Maybe, maybe so. Maybe you're they're used to, to it, but it's something us. that should make you uncomfortable. Yeah, everyone breaks. Mm. Everybody breaks. Yeah, because they play. Um, there's there's that one where they're like walking in super slow motion down the road. I think it's the very in a way end. that they would never be able to walk in a totalitarian <laughs> government. Like get on the fucking sidewalk. I think this is right at the end after they refuse to kill Janine. I think that's what you're talking about. Yeah, and they play something. I can't remember what it is. It's just like, not going to stop us now or something like that. I can't remember. Uh, But yeah, there's a couple of music cues in it that are, that's really weird. I, I appreciate the music cues in the flashbacks Mm -hmm. where it's like, Ooh, things are still okay. And it's, it's fun. And which I like in any like kind of like apocalyptic, dystopian that's that's another thing that's really cool about this show is it's a dystopia in a, in a day and age where we're used to our dystopias being like apocalypses sure Dirt and sand and, yeah, yeah. and zombies and Charlize yeah. Theron has no hair right and she's missing an arm she's Tom Hardy is hot like awesome. I get it like, 
that's what they're doing. But this is like a dystopia is just like a very terrible reality. Yeah. You know, by definition, that's like what it really is. Women and have to ask the man if it's okay to buy eggs. Literally, women are not allowed to make decisions for themselves. <laughs> they're not allowed to have control of anything. They can't work. They can't spend money. Yeah. They have no say. Lame. And this is something that is... You know, the show puts uh, puts the point across that that is just like, it's right there. It seems like something that's, even to me, it seems like something that's so out there and would never happen. But when you really take a look enough. at it, yeah, it's closer it than happen. you think. It is close yeah. You know, and it's just like, and you, you have all of these topics of discussion that you can that you can have that are going to just start like, peeling away the layers that are protecting your eyesight from seeing like how fucking close it actually is and it gets scary and i don't live on this planet anymore it is absolutely terrifying yeah that's what i'm saying this show is great but you walk away with such a sense of dread we couldn't we couldn't watch more than one episode at a time you were like all right that's it it want to watch something fun it was very dire and it made you feel kind of a little bit level of despair where yeah. you're like, oh God, this the could happen. Yeah. Even They're when they rough. end on like yeah. a fun note, you're definitely. still just like, okay. Oh. Yeah, definitely. Well, anything else that you guys want to touch on? For- well, all right. So knowing that, knowing that the, this is it for the book and that they pretty much have free reign do you guys have any kind of theories of where they'll go next season? I know Alexis Bledel has already signed on. So awesome. after she like drove off, she stole one of the security people's vehicle and she runs over right. one of them. Right. Really murdered great, someone. Great that was amazing, by the way. But then she got caught again. So satisfying. Again. But she got caught again. But I know she signed on for a Dude, are they going to like so make her like, ugh. They've already circumcised her. I keep her. like food ink. Where it's like you would just like lock up a pig that can do something. That. I'm like, ah, that's why I keep thinking like, I'm like, stop. I know it sucks, but stop misbehaving. It can be so much worse. Just please yeah. stop. Please stop. Please stop. And I, I feel like they, I don't think the show will take it to that yeah. level because that's, that's a little bit more deranged than the view that they seem to have. Like, obviously they could push it as far as they want, yeah. but that seems a little bit intense. So yeah. of Glenn will be gone or locked up Offred essentially escapes yeah what happens to the commander and Serena well I think that's where we're gonna start following the Serena downfall yeah I'm kind of interested in where they take Serena next what happens with her whether she starts siding with the handmaids right not Offred cannot just leave no totally she cannot she has to go back because the best moments in the show are between Second great finds and Elizabeth Moss. Like those <laughs> yeah. are like the best yeah. scenes. He needs a Scrabble partner. He needs totally. Scrabble partner. He needs and, to play Scrabble. And what happens to Sad Nick? Who oh. like we Hot don't Nick? We don't get a backstory <laughs> for Nick in the book. Excuse me. The show is like this weird, sad tale of how he becomes who he becomes. Right. That's another thing you said. He wasn't an eye in the in the. You never knew for no, sure I mean, if he was an eye or you, not in the book. You suspect him you to be an eye, it, but there's it's never no confirmed. Like, there's and, never and, an origin story to the point in the show right. where they're just like, I. Yeah, totally. Yeah. He does tell her at the end, "Leave with these people. Trust me." Right. Mm-hmm. So you do get that he is in the resistance of some sort, but yeah, mm-hmm. they never go out and say it. Mayday. <laughs> Mayday. Mayday. Yeah. 
Well, Birch, tell us some more that's going on with Story Screen. Um, I mean, we've got a, like, there's, we're approaching hardcore movie time is coming up for 2017. Uh, September, October, November, December have some great movies coming out. Uh, even movies that have come out during the summer that we ha- that haven't really been available in most big areas, like limited release and stuff. You got Ingrid Goes West is playing mostly everywhere right now. Patty Cakes is playing mostly everywhere right now. Um, and we've just got nothing but like bigger and more fun movies coming out. So we're definitely going to have some like really cool articles on those. We've got some cool anniversary stuff coming up. I know we're going to be celebrating uh, the um, 20th anniversary of Titanic. <laughs> quite soon um and yeah uh, tons more podcasts and everything um and we're opening a theater so yeah yeah so that so no, stay tuned no on all that. that's gonna be great yeah and also too like anybody that's listening uh you know subscribe to us on itunes uh share us with your friends uh, our listenership has gone up double in the past month since we've started saying this at certain points in the podcast so now we're learning like oh we should say that for people to share this and like if you enjoy us and you think you know somebody that would like us to share with them, share this on your Facebooks and your Insta Twits and your Twittergrams, like and all that stuff. And if you like us, leave us a review on iTunes. Oh yeah, leave us a review on iTunes. That helps us be able to get funding and everything like that and we can be able to make longer episodes or shorter episodes, more <laughs> episodes, whatever you want. Just like like us and review us and we'll do whatever you want, we swear. <laughs> Well, I won't speak to that same sentiment. Uh, for Cathode Raycast, thank you for listening. Uh, if you have any ideas for things that you want to listen to us talk about, if you've already put in your, you know, like 200 hours of watching a television program and you, for some odd reason, want to hear strangers talk about that television program, <laughs> let us know. We will try to possibly watch that show and talk about it. Uh, things to look forward to in the future. We've got to be like the most honest podcast. We're just like, hey, you don't want to hear this at the end, but like, come on. You listen to it. Uh, so the next one we're going to do, we did an Oscar prediction podcast. Uh, last year, so we're going to be putting out an Emmy prediction podcast for Catherine Greycast, and then we're going to be talking about Stranger Things next month. And Ooh. who doesn't love Stranger Things? But yeah, as assholes. I said, assholes. Assholes People don't like Stranger Things. Life. People that don't understand tone. People who don't want to watch horror <laughs> they just don't get with delightful it. children. Yeah, they just don't get it. <laughs> but yeah, feel free to let us know what you think in the comments and just hit us up and let us know what you like, dislike. If you want us to not drink as much while we're doing this show. Oh. No, 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 that, 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 don't, don't say that. We're still going to do it. Yeah. yeah. And if oh, you, okay, right. you know, if you want to read my review of the 30th anniversary of Can't Buy Me Love or many other excellent reviews and writings about various <laughs> films, check out StoryScreenBeacon.com. There's That's a lot right. of good material on there. And you can subscribe to our podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes. Listen to you, mm-hmm. Diana. Yeah, doing it. our work for us. Right on. <laughs> that's it. Looking at you guys. Yeah. Looking good. Well, thank you guys for <laughs> tuning in, and we will catch you on the flip side. <laughs> yes. Did you ever see Broadchurch? With no, him? I would no. love and to. And that's David it's got David Tennant and uh, what's her name? New Doctor Who. 
No. Oh, yes. 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 She really? is in it. She's not the main, but... No, she's not the main. The Olivia main Coleman. is the girl that um, played the... Oh, I love her. Pregnant Olivia Coleman. I love her. Girl, in what show did we watch that she was the... Uh, with Tom Hiddleston. The Night Manager. The Night John LeCar. Oh, she's so books. good. What's her name? Olivia Coleman. She's great. She's like the Daffy Cop in Hot Fuzz. Oh, yes, you're right. I totally forgot about that. Damn it. She's so good. She's hilarious in everything she does. She's so good. Do you want to know another fun Hot Fuzz cameo that most people don't know about? We'll see. The Hound from Game of Thrones is the is the uh, the the warp guy. No way. You know that guy? Like Yar? I did not realize that. I gotta watch that again now. He's very bald bald as the Yarp guy. Okay. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Crushing the <laughs> tiny village. <laughs> and yeah. Jim Broadbent, who is also in Game of Thrones. I love Jim Broadbent. That was like uh, the best Fuzz, edition. Big I was bushy like, beard man. Harry Potter meets Game of Thrones. Jim Broadbent? Yeah. He's the new uh he's the Maester this season. Oh yeah. You know, the one that's like, Sam, you fucking idiot. Yeah, but he's like very sweet to him. Yeah, in like a fucking idiot kind of way. 